This is Itanya. Hi, how's everyone doing? And we're just going to be with you for the next 40, 45 minutes, you know, doing what we do, talking about some things and um, loving on everyone in the body of Christ. So welcome again to all of you that are joining us this week. I think this is what, episode number four? Yes, four. Wow. So um, we had a pretty uh, heavy episode, our last episode. If you uh, haven't listened to that, I strongly encourage you to go back. Um, Sister Itanya shared some things with us on that episode, and we had a really good talk. Um, and this is kind of a continuation from that episode, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a part two because <laughs> it's moving in a slightly different direction, and we're going to be talking about uh, sex trafficking or human trafficking, prostitution, as most of us probably grew up with the name. It wasn't really called trafficking um, back then. And this is a pretty heavy topic as well, but we'll just kind of see where things go. We thought it would be fitting to have this discussion um, as a follow-on to the previous episode. We're not trying to make things too heavy, but we did promise you guys that we would be raw and uncut, and we put some things out there that may not be discussed as often in the church. So if you, you know, know someone who may be going through this, you yourself may be experiencing some things, hopefully today's podcast, today's episode will help you. So I'm going to turn it over to Itanya. I think you have some statistics that you wanted to share, and then we'll just kind of let the conversation grow from there. Yeah, I do have some statistics, but before I go into those, I just wanted to say we wanted to do this topic to shed light on um, things that's happening right in our own neighborhood, our own city, you know, right here in California. So um, with that being said, um, there is 20.9 million human trafficking case victims around the world. 68% um, are forced into labor, 55% are female, and 26% are children. Um, the number one state for human trafficking, can anyone guess what that is? California. Yes, okay, thank you. California is the number one state as far, and also New York and Texas. Um, uh, in California, the top two cities for human trafficking is Los Angeles and San Francisco. And I think when we were discussing this before, Beverly had brought up a good point as far as we also have um, our port system here. Mm -hmm. And a lot of human trafficking is done through the port system. And the average age for uh, the sex trafficking and human trafficking is 12 to 14 years old. And I wanted to also mention, like on Facebook, I've been seeing um, a lot of missing kids and kids coming up missing and everything. And I think that they're getting involved in uh, sex and human trafficking. And on the page, the Fortified Facebook page, um, there is um, an example that I put on there on how some of these women are recruiting people 
and they're recruiting them through Walmart. Um, like this actually happened to me. I didn't realize that this was happening to me, but I was in Walmart in December and two women came up to me and asked me if I knew who mother, the mother of God was. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she, they were trying to talk to me about that, but I kind of shook them, didn't really give them no mind to it. And then I get this, um, information that's that's one of the tactics they use to try to draw people in and uh, get them outside and uh, get them um, I don't know kidnapped taken um, into being um, a human and trafficking slave there was also a movie that came out last year called traffic that came out and it dealt with human trafficking. It was a true story about how they are drugging, um, they'll drug the women, they'll put them in the big cargo um, containers and they'll keep them pumped up full of drugs and then while time they wake up, they're halfway around the world and being sold for sex. So um, it's a huge deal and a big deal. And then um, the last thing that I'm going to say, I'm going to then have you kind of chime in, Anisha, is also uh, some of the drug dealers, they're finding that it's easier to um, pimp our women out and sell them for sex trafficking and um, than it is for them to sell drugs. So this is happening right under our noses in our own city. And I just want us to kind of talk about that on ways that we could uh, make sure that our uh, young girls first know what's going on and so they won't get caught up in this. And so um, one of the things we normally do, and we I did not do this, so you guys um, forgive me, is we didn't open up with a word of prayer. So before we actually go into the discussion now that we've heard um, the statistics, let's just go to the Lord. Um, in a word of prayer and then we'll come back father we thank you for this podcast for this episode we thank you for uh, the women of fortify father and everyone under the sound of my voice every um, person who's listening to this podcast now we ask that you would just add value to their lives by way of this discussion whether they're directly impacted or may know someone um, who is impacted we ask father that we leave better from this podcast than whence we came Whatever that means to us individually, specifically, God, you know, work some things out for our good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, um, and this may not be the best place to start, but this is just what's on my mind because I kind of had the same anger when I saw the um, docuseries on R. Kelly, just to go back to that for a moment, since I know that was primarily from our our last episode it's so interesting to me how when things that have been happening within the black community for years get overlooked until it starts to happen on a broader level and and you can fill in the blank of what i mean by on a broader level and i mean no disrespect against anyone because i know we probably have people listening from all over even though i tanya just shared some statistics that are specific to california i know we, we have people listening beyond California we have people listening who are lighter than the color of my skin I am an African-American woman she's an African-American woman and our other two co-hosts are also African-American women but um, to to start saying that 
drug dealers have discovered they can actually make more money um, pimping out ladies. That's always been going on. That that's that's always been. But now because what we are seeing is younger Caucasian girls, girls of a lighter persuasion are being picked up and they're being brainwashed. Now all of a sudden it's it's a big thing. Um, I even know of some <clears throat> Caucasian churches, if you will, predominantly Caucasian churches um, that, you know, have ministries um, targeting this very thing, human trafficking, and that are now coming into the hood because they feel like, well, we can do so much good now coming into the hood, but you didn't want to start coming into the hood until your girls were being brought into the hood. So. On one hand, um, human trafficking has now become this big, big thing when it's been going on all along. I guess is the point that I'm trying to make. And when, when it's been going on in our community, um, it doesn't necessarily get the same attention that it is now receiving because now it's affecting so many other um, communities. But nonetheless, in terms of... Um, California being the state with the highest amount of um, human trafficking, and particularly here in the Bay Area, I know a young lady who was trafficked when she was in the sixth grade. Um, she comes out of Oakland Public Schools, and um, she met her what was then friend. She befriended her pimp, not realizing that he was a pimp. Um, he was a junior in high school at one of the Oakland High Schools, and she was in the sixth grade, uh, had just started middle school, and um, you know she thought he was like a big brother to her, and uh, wanted to take her, as he told her, to a barbecue that his cousin was having down in the Stockton area, and uh, she unfortunately lied to her parents and told her parents that she was going to hang out with another friend that her parents knew so that she could go off with this other friend of hers. She told the friend that she was gonna use her as the, the story or the excuse to get out of the house so her friend, if she got a phone call, would also cop to her story. And so she ended up in Stockton and was not seen for almost four years. And um, she had been in some trouble before so it was assumed that she just ran away. And when they questioned her friend, her friend didn't know anything other than the guy's name and only knew his first name, knew what school he went to, but that was it. Well, both of them were gone. The police mm -hmm. had no other, no other clues. Um, she didn't have a cell phone, so you know all the calls that she took were calls that he made to the house. Um, so she was gone for nearly, uh, four years. Well, he takes her down to this uh, so-called cousin's barbecue, and she said everything just went from day to night, basically. Um, they got her drunk. They began to beat her. Um, they ran a train on her that night. Um, I think she said it was four or five guys that ran, you know, a train on her that night and they kept beating her and beating her and beating her repeatedly um, until she stopped calling herself by her name, stopped asking if she could call um, her parents, started calling them daddy, 
um, and whatever other you know title that uh, they told her um, to say or to speak and they put her out on the streets out there she didn't know if she was even still in the Stockton area she didn't know if she was in the Bay Area she didn't know um, where she was comes to find out that they took her from Stockton and they put her down in Bakersfield and then from Bakersfield she was down in Paso Robles area um, for a while and she thinks the goal was they were gonna eventually get her out of state altogether and once she was finally um, reunited she broke away through another girl that convinced her you know she had a way to get them both out another girl that was on the street uh, with her because she said for the longest of time they would not they weren't allowed to kind of cluster mm -hmm. together until they had been out for so long and I guess they could be trusted to be clustered with another and uh, the girl that she apparently was teamed up with finally convinced her that she knew a way to get out and that's how they got out um, at that point she still didn't really know she was in Bakersfield and, and kind of listening to her share this, her testimony and, and her story um, some years back it's, it's interesting because you know we're sitting on the other side as we were all listening going well how could you not know by that point where you were if they trusted you and you were actually on the street and and she just said you know they they brainwash you and they break you down so much when it gets to the point that they tell you don't do something you don't do it so some of the you things you don't want to get beat again exactly you don't want to get beat again and she said one of the things that they were told was when you go into a hotel room you don't open up the drawers you don't look at anything on the wall you stay focused on your client and you you service them and do what they want you to do and that's it so she said they didn't she or at least she never did she never looked at anything she never looked you know because she didn't want to get found out um and it was just heart-wrenching to hear her um give her testimony because from what she described the first few weeks that ha that they had her they were just beating her beating her and raping her beating her and raping her beating her and raping her and she probably still to this day does not have a full count of how many men actually touched her and raped her and then also beat her right um and so it's 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 a real thing i drive sometimes through the city of oakland and now it's so bold you can see the girls out even at you know broad daylight you see them out at 11 a.m 12 noon mm -hmm. um when we were coming up it was you know twilight times as they called yeah. it like after our times but now it's so prevalent you see the girls riding broad, broad daylight on the street and sometimes when i'm driving through oakland i just wonder like what has she gone through to 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 be right here on this corner like we look at them sometimes and we look down at these girls and we shouldn't be looking down at these girls because you don't know what this child has endured what this woman has endured to be standing on that corner on one hand we're looking going you can get out but on another hand she's probably just thankful to still have the breath of life in her because they've endured you know so much um and I'm pretty sure the young lady that you know I met some years ago, um, she's still going through counseling. I'm sure mm -hmm. as a result, she I know has not been able to have a relationship um, 
with a man. Um, you know, she's she's an adult now, but she hasn't been able to have a relationship with a man because she has, you know, very serious issues with respect yeah. to trust and safety. So um, this thing is a real thing. I remember also I was in Houston, uh, actually stuck in Hurricane Harvey. What was that, last year, year before last? And um, right... <laughs> Right as we were coming out of Hurricane Harvey, um, a news story broke of a truck that had been seized at a Walmart. They found like 30 women in the back of the truck. Mm-hmm. And they, the truck had, I guess, plans to go and pick up some more women at another Walmart a couple hours from the Houston location. But the Walmart was like their pickup yeah. uh, stop. And it was just amazing to see as the cameras were rolling, all these women that um, the police, the FBI, were pulling off the back of this truck. I mean, they were just packed in the, in this truck like sardines. Um, and the women, none of the women even knew where they were, right? They just knew mm-hmm. that finally someone, you know, had rescued them and, and found them. So it's a real thing. And I would say, you know, to what you experienced being approached by those two women, as you described, um, it has no discrimination. You know, sex trafficking, human tra- trafficking comes in all forms. Mm-hmm. They're looking for young girls, older women, skinny women, oh, uh, bigger women, thicker women. You know, it, there's no discrimination because like a business, I guess you could say, the, the pimps are trying to service their clients and their clients, you know, have a diverse range of likes and, and um Desires not to sensationalize it or, or not to in any way um, come across as if I'm supporting it, but I'm trying to bring it home and make it as plain as possible that it doesn't discriminate. It really doesn't. And you might say to yourself, well, an older woman can probably get out much faster and easier than a young girl can. Not necessarily. Not if you're being beaten until you're black and blue every day, every night. At some point, you're going to break down. Because a person can only endure so much. Um, And you kind of, you know, you start finding ways to cope and survive. And I know, you know, um, what I shared last week, you know, you just, you got to find a way to get through it. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to kill yourself. So you just try to find a way to cope. And that just sounds like what... um, what these women are doing and I know that it seems fun not funny but ironic how Walmart they're using Walmart so these are probably women that's lower income or Mm -hmm. women that Mm -hmm. maybe have um, a little bit more self-esteem issues Mm -hmm. or so they think that they're kind of doing them a favor right it may be women whose you know English is their second language I, I know I recall from that situation in Houston right around the time of um, Hurricane Harvey, it looked like most of the women were of Spanish, you know, descent. So who knows if they actually started here in the country. They may have started in Mexico and brought them over the border. Um, who knows? But it doesn't discriminate. If the, the trafficking itself doesn't discriminate. And like you said, I think um, the victims grow numb to it because they're just trying to cope, just trying to get through the next, I wouldn't even say the next day, just get through the next moment, you know. So um, we were going to have um, a guest with us today that wasn't able to make it because she's under the weather. So we may in the future bring some more back. 
um, on this subject, but now I want to kind of switch it. So, you know, fortified, we are here to strengthen one another in the church community. And child, I don't know what I would do if somebody tried to get their hands on one of my daughters or my son. Um, I was having a conversation with someone last week and I said, we have to protect our boys just as much as we yeah. have to protect our girls. Did you see anything about, you know, males? Um, I know one yeah. of your statistics. Yeah, so yeah, so 55% are female. So that means that the other 45, 45, um, mm -hmm. 45% are males that this is happening to and um, that they're being taken as well. So, yeah, I think with females it's a bigger number, but yeah, I think it's happening to our it's happening to our guys as well. Mm -hmm. And just like with females, I would imagine even more so with guys, it's an even more difficult, you know, conversation to have um from both perspectives, right? Like trying to tell a male come and talk to me if this has ever happened in his mind he'd probably be like well I would never let that happen to me but then on the flip side of it if it happens getting them to open up and say what's going on I would imagine makes them feel like they're you're just trying to make me turn my skin inside out because most boys already come up you know from the perspective of I'm macho I'm strong I'm this or that and to know that they may be caught up in something that has broken them down um so let's let's take it a step further because I know <clears throat> again as we talked about in last week's episode this is also probably something that is not getting discussed often in churches um you being a youth leader have you dealt with situations where some element or form of human trafficking was involved either with a female youth or a male youth? I can't think of a situation where we've had that, but I have, I was, I was a guest and I was a guest teacher um, at this um, conference in Richmond and the girls there were very um, sexually active and they um, didn't have a problem with expressing that. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting here trying to explain about being abstinence and it was like they, you know, and I even shared probably how I haven't did it in, you know, a couple of years or a few years. And it was just so amazing to them you know, that I could go without um, being sexually active that long and how could I do it? And and I'm hoping and praying that none of them were involved in sex trafficking and human trafficking, but they definitely was definitely sexually active within their uh, group. But um, like I said, this is like, it's kind of one of those topics where we don't talk about it or we may not see it happening or so we don't really discuss it. But I think that we need to let our girls know things that they need to look out for so they don't get caught up or involved. I had one of my um, Facebook followers and he said that they're also going up to the colleges mm -hmm. and uh, recruiting or getting women. So you see people missing it's because they're being taken and we don't want them to start coming up to the high schools and uh, if you know hopefully they're not but coming to get our our young girls and boys 
One of the things that I also think is helpful um, perhaps for us to talk about is just kind of the pattern of behavior of a pimp um, and the pattern or behavior of their, their victim, their prostitute, the person who is being trafficked. Because I also think that there are certain patterns and behavior that permeate into other situations. Like when I think of high school, you know, that's oftentimes where some people or, or some kids think I just met the love of my life, right? Now they're heavily involved in this relationship. And there are certain patterns that are just not good no matter where and how it shows up, whether the other person is trying to pull them into a human trafficking ring or just trying to dominate and to have authority over them, whether it's a boyfriend having authority over a girlfriend or vice versa, because there are situations of female pimps pimping out boys, young men. It's yeah. not just now men pimping out girls. It, it goes both ways. This is an equal opportunity society now, and it is prevalent on both sides. So. Um, I think it might be helpful to just sort of talk about some of the behaviors um, and, and like you said, things to look out for. What would you say are some of the behaviors with respect to a person that may be a pimp? I mean, we can't just automatically label someone when we meet them as that, but um, given certain behaviors, it should make us cautious and make us maybe move a little bit slower in being in a relationship, even if it's just a friendship with that person. What are some things to look for, you think? I think to um, pay attention to their words and what they're saying and what they may be not committing to or um, or if it's moving kind of fast, you're like, okay, why, why is this moving so fast? You may want to think about trying to slow it down. I think, and then a lot of times I don't, I think we need to use our intuition. If it don't feel right, that it may be not be right. But I think most importantly, it's really getting our kids to value themselves and having that self-worth so they don't get, you know, a guy come along and, ooh, baby, you look so good. And, you know, you know they, they telling you what you want to hear and maybe no one's talked to you that type of way. So you want to, you, you're, you're drawn to that because, you know, you're hearing stuff you haven't heard before. But you just want to be careful that, um, you know, that they're not just trying to butter you up and use you so they could then uh, take you and um, sell you off. Or like you said, like your friend example, beat you up and um, all them doing trains on you. And, yeah. and I would add to it as far as, um, you know, patterns. There is um, another young man that I'm, I'm thinking of, and his parents actually ended up getting him some help, but um, if, if young ladies in particular, or no, actually, because again, I just said it's an equal opportunity society now. So if you are dating someone or interested in someone and that person has quote unquote shown interest back in you, but they're asking you to text them everywhere you go, um, to the point that it's almost as if you have to ask them before you can go or ask them before you can leave, um, that should be a warning sign. Um, if they want to approve what you are wearing, um, they need to know what you have on, that can be a warning sign. Um, if they can't see you around anybody else um, that they don't know, 
for fear of you either going off with that person or no longer having interest in them um, because now you're with somebody else, that should be a warning sign. And again, um, this now isn't just about trafficking because those behaviors show up in other types of relationships. They show up in relationships where it may not be human trafficking, but there may be domestic violence, right? They show up in relationships where may not be human trafficking, may not be domestic violence, but this person is a narcissist, right? They have to be in control. They have to have authority. All of those things are warning signs, and we need to be training our kids and educating our kids on things to look out for. Where would we be if we took more time to have Sunday dinners? And, and, and I mean that in an expressive sense, not in the literal sense. Like every Sunday we have to sit down. Maybe your night is Tuesday. Maybe your night or, or time is Saturday afternoon. I don't know. But if we're having those conversations with our children, it would help empower our children to be much more mindful and thoughtful in some of the friends that they take up. So... Yes, I agree with that, that um, talking to your kids, um, just talking to them, period, just, you know, how their day was, what's going on, um, maybe seeing a change in them, maybe they're trying to dress a little differently, um, just paying attention to them, you know, they, sometimes they don't come out and say what's going on, but um, it may happen in their um it may happen in their personalities or their opinions. If they were, you know, very vibrant and a happy child, now they seem a little withdrawn. You know, why is that? You know, just being in tune with them and finding out. And I know how, how as a parent, how tough it is. You know, you're working and, you know, my son, you know, he's a teen. I mean, he's an adult now, but he always been in his room with the door closed. It's like, okay, what's going on in here? You know, sometimes we just need to open up those doors and um, talk with our kids. And so this is, again, not nearly enough time to really um, dive into human trafficking. We're not going to solve all of the issues and problems and concerns related to uh, this one particular topic in one um, episode, but we would like to leave you with, with a few things. Fact is, from the word of God's perspective, as we know, um, prostitution is wrong. Um, trafficking someone for sex is wrong. Um, last episode, we talked about molestation, incest, sexual abuse, etc., and this just becomes an extension of that and and you can go to the same scriptures that I gave in last uh, week's episode to apply to this one um, but more importantly if you know someone that you even suspect may be caught up either as a victim or as the abuser or as the perpetrator begin to pray begin to pray for them begin to ask God to open up a door for them to be ministered to and for them to be healed, for them to confess their faults and for them to come forward and to be cleansed of their sins. God has no respect of persons. He loves anybody and everybody. He loves all of us. We are his creation and we belong to him. And we spent a lot of time talking about the victim. We didn't spend as much time talking about the perpetrator, 
but for someone to end up in that position feeling like they have to demand and control the authority of someone else there's something going on with that individual just like we said towards mm -hmm. the end of our last episode our kelly needs prayer too we don't want to just condemn him to the pits of hell we want to pray for him we want to show god's glory even in his life and his day of reckoning with god will come but keep them in prayer and in the same instance keep these perpetrators in prayer that's somebody's child too that has ended up on a wrong path and a wrong road and we don't know what the cause or the genesis was that got them down that path maybe they were abused too earlier on maybe they you know they were beaten into that life that that way of of crime you know by someone else we just don't know so let's begin with prayer let's start to cover um, our kids we're here in California and California may be the highest state but it's not the only state that's dealing with this this is running rampant across the the country across the world and it's time out for us to stop turning our cheek and acting as if it's not affecting the church community the body of Christ it is because if if you really think about it and you really sit still God will begin to show you that you are closer to this than you realize you know somebody maybe not in your household but you know somebody that's been impacted directly by this we all do and so let's let's hold up um, the bloodstained banner as the saying goes and begin um, in our prayer life to call on God and ask God to start opening some doors if your church has a ministry that is trying to combat sex trafficking go and just listen to them and, and be educated by them learn what it is that they're doing maybe god isn't calling you to be a part of the ministry out on the street with them doing whatever it is that they're trying to do in your community but it's a great way for you to learn more about this subject to see how you may be empowered to help maybe you're empowered to help in a different way but let your prayer life lead you there if you don't have a ministry in your church check and see what local resources are available um, because again it's a great way for you to be educated and to become more empowered because these kids they need us these women and men who are being victimized they need us and ultimately we are to be god's witnesses both in judea samaria and all other parts of the world so where god send us where he leads we shall follow so that's what i would leave you with what would you say i just want to leave you with there's and when i was doing research i didn't realize just in uh, my city, how many organizations is out there that's fighting on this very topic of human and sex trafficking? And um, one that stands out for, um, for me is Love Never Fails. And um, this is um, a first lady um, who's, I believe, also an attorney who's uh, fighting this. But I bring this up because she has a website love never fails i believe dot org and she has a resource page and she has so many resources on there of um organizations that's helping kids and women and men that's going through this so um you could call 211 to get some resources but um you could also go to love never fails and see what she got going on and um see the resources that's available and uh, my guest speaker had also informed me, and I didn't notice, that this month of January is considered the Human Trafficking Awareness Month. 
and um, she was going to have some another guest come with her, but they um, was busy kind of working on making people aware of what's going on right here and uh, underneath our noses. So we just want to leave you um, with that again. We wouldn't attempt to even think remotely <laughs> that we can solve this uh, problem in one podcast, but what we can do is begin to yoke up through the armor of God. We can put on our weapons of warfare. We can utilize our, our weapons of warfare um, to begin to make some change in the communities around us. Wherever you sit right now, wherever you are in the world, we are standing in prayer with you, and we believe that you're standing in prayer um, with us. And just go forward according to how God leads you, because uh, this is serious. You got six sixth graders, and I'm sure... Children even younger than that, unfortunately, the foods that we put in our bodies these days, the chemicals that are in our bodies, they change these girls' bodies quicker than, you know, sometimes we can blink our eye and a girl that may be nine years old might be looking right now like she's 16, 17 years old just because of the form of her body and we don't want someone out there um, thinking that she's primed and fit and ready for any kind of nonsense. So we've got to start covering our kids much earlier on in prayer. And in, in addition to covering them in prayer, we have to start educating ourselves and yeah. um, knowing what's out there as far as support and resources so that should anything happen, it's okay that we may not have the resources in the church. We got resources in the community to help us with this. So let's do what we need to do to be that body of Christ and yoke up in God's armor and uh, fight the enemy through this. And just, I just want to leave one thing. Our guest I was, was coming was Saritha, Saritha from uh, Sisters Touch. And in June 1st, they, they're putting on a run to help bring awareness to the human and sex trafficking. So it's going to be around Lake Merritt in Oakland, California, June 1st, a Sisters Touch. So I say look that up. It's on um, Eventbrite. And it's only, I believe, like $25. But, um, yeah, take a look at that. All right. Well, if there is nothing else, I'm going to ask our Tanya, since I opened us up in a word of prayer, if you'll close us out with a word of prayer. Yeah. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for um, just setting up this environment for us to come and just talk about um, such heavy topics and uh, we want to make sure that we're bringing uh, light to it, letting people know what's happening, Lord. I want to just touch those victims that's um, going through going through this, Lord. Um, some of them right now are looking for a way out. I'm asking yes. you, Lord Jesus, just to begin to make a way out for them to uh, get from underneath that control. Um, um, maybe it might be a little glimpse, but... Uh, give them hope. Let them know that you are still with them, that you are still um, um, prevalent in their life, Lord, even though they're going such a tragic thing, Lord. And I'm asking, Lord, just to um, let us be more aware. Let us be more sensitive to what's going on. Don't let us turn our um, head when we see stuff going on. Yes. Give us the boldness to um, step in and to make a to maybe help someone out, Lord. I'm asking you as we um, share with you on this topic and you bring other topics to us just to um, continue just letting the uh, Fortified Podcast be a beacon of light 
um, to our listeners and to those that's out there, Lord. And these things I'm just praying and asking in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everybody go in God's grace. Um, have a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Can you wave it? Okay, you just stop it. <laughs>